Good Bone Health makes active aging possible. Join us for inspiring conversations from diverse perspectives in osteoporosis from patients, healthcare providers, caregivers, policymakers, researchers, advocates, and innovators. Protect your ability to live your best life. The information and opinions expressed in Bone Talk are not intended to replace the services of trained and qualified health professionals or to be a substitute of medical advice of physicians. You may review the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation's full medical disclaimer at bonehealthandosteoporosis.org. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Bone Talk. I'm Claire Gill, CEO of the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation. Joining me today is Brittany Pabone, a physical therapist at Lee Health Outpatient Rehabilitation Services at Cape Coral Hospital in Florida. Brittany is a BoneFit trainer certified through BHOF. BoneFit is an evidence-based exercise training workshop designed for healthcare professionals and exercise specialists to provide training on the most appropriate, safe, and effective methods for working with people who have osteoporosis. Today, we'll be discussing how working with a physical therapist can help you maintain your independence with osteoporosis. We'll also dive into when it might be time to see a physical therapist and what an evaluation might look like. Brittany, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for inviting me to speak today. I'm very excited about talking about a topic I love. Uh, Terrific. Well, it is really important that we talk about how we need to modify some of the exercise that people do when they have osteoporosis or are at high risk for fracture. So we all know that as we age, the risk of falls and fractures increases and that this poses significant challenges to our ability to lead those independent active lives we all want to have as we age. Physical therapy can play a very crucial role in managing osteoporosis-related issues, which you know very well, and in helping prevent falls and enhancing overall well-being. So first, let's talk about what are some of the most common osteoporosis-related issues that you encounter in your practice and with your patients? So with me, it's definitely fractures. And we'll kind of talk about what are the most common fractures that I see. And it's usually as opposed to fall. So when someone falls, I commonly see spinal fractures, hip fractures. I can also see like arm fractures because they tried to reach out for to break their fall. Right. And occupational therapy here does see wrist fractures because that is also very common. I don't see it just in the clinic setting I work at. We separate the hand, wrist, and elbow to occupational therapy being we are a very busy clinic. And I do treat a lot of things specializing in osteoporosis, but my second specialty is balance. I am certified through Lee Health in their balance and vestibular program. But we definitely see both spinal and hip fractures, and that could be whether it's due to a fall or it could be due spinal fractures can also happen due to posturing. Like over a long time, they were hunched over, let's say, and now they have a compression fracture. Um, and now they had to do a vertebral blasty, and then I see them after the operation. It's really amazing. It's something we just don't take into account so often. We take it for granted. 
right? That we are going to have these strong bones. And I think sometimes we don't even recognize how posture plays such an important role in everything that we do. I love that when we say posture, everybody automatically kind of sits up. I do too, that we should probably practice saying that to ourselves because it would remind us to kind of keep that good, you know, healthy posture because it does really play an important role in understanding our bones and what we need to do to continue to keep them strong. So what are some of the warning signs or symptoms that someone might look out for indicating that maybe they need a little more assistance and should consult with their clinician about potentially getting physical therapy? Well, I think that this is a good question because osteoporosis is known as the silent disease or the silent thief. So sometimes we don't have warning signs, but some common warning signs could be that you now are falling more than usual, you're hunching over more than usual. So now that your posture is getting worse, also a loss of height can be an indicator as we know as we lose height. It could be osteoporosis. It doesn't necessarily have to be that. It could be that your arthritis is progressing and now you're losing height and you cannot have osteoporosis, but that could be a warning sign. As long as also checking your imaging, some doctors do imaging just because if you have pain, if you have a compression fracture or even just having a poor diet or a poor active lifestyle being sedentary. Those are some of the common I would say warning signs, but I'm trying to move away from the warning signs. Like I don't want to get to the warning signs when you start noticing it. So what we've been doing here at Lee Health and what I've been doing with the health system, along with my other colleagues that like to treat osteopenia or osteoporosis is that we're trying to move away from waiting for those warning signs. So if they have any of the risk factors, we want them to try to encourage their doctor or say, hey, I'm concerned about this. And their doctors will often do an earlier DEXA scan because some of my patients that have osteopenia or osteoporosis don't necessarily have to be older to have that. I've had young patients. My youngest patient was 36 and I actually wasn't even seeing her for osteoporosis. I was seeing her for pregnancy. And it just so happened she had a digestive disorder. And I'm like, hey, did you ever have a dex? And we dove into it more. And she's like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe you asked that. I have osteoporosis. So now we dove into that more. Just because you're younger doesn't mean that it's not indicated to come to physical therapy or to to get imaging. Um, We even go as far out as contacting our, our, our OBGYNs because if someone has an earlier hysterectomy than normal, now they... Their hormones change, their bone health can be affected, even cancer, right? So there, some people have these risk factors and haven't gotten imaging or, or haven't even been, been assessed for osteoporosis. So we're trying to move away from that. We want to be more proactive than reactive because physical therapy, we're pretty reactive. You know, you fell, you hurt yourself, you come to physical therapy. So we want to be proactive. We want to reach you before that starts happening. That's really important. And that's such a good point, too, that there's so many other risk factors that need to be considered that you you may not even have to wait until you fracture or have some other related osteoporosis symptom. What should patients maybe expect during their first visit to physical therapy? If someone hasn't gone to physical therapy before and they have osteoporosis-related issues, what does your evaluation initially kind of look like? 
So my evaluation, every physical therapist is going to be different. I can kind of dive into what I do here. But what I want to highlight is I follow Sherry Bates a lot. And she did a presentation because she's Polestar. She did it on Polestar. So it had to do with osteoporosis and exercise. And what I liked about her presentation is that there was a survey amongst physical therapists in the United States. And one thing that they all agreed on is the consistency in care and the education in this patient population differs. So what I do here is we try to keep the education piece very consistent here at Lee Health and where I work in my clinic, because that's one thing I could control, like teaching them what is osteoporosis? What is osteopenia? Because a lot of our patients do confuse osteoarthritis with osteoporosis and osteopenia. So really controlling the education piece. But some things that we could look at is how they bend to lift objects or looking at their posture, looking at their strength. There are some other things we could see how your rib, how close your ribs are to your hips, because that space would be decreased if you have low bone mineral density because you're kind of starting to hunch forward. We can also see your balance. Now, balance is very, very complex, so I won't really get into that. We would probably need a whole nother podcast for that. But it really depends why they're coming in, depends on what I'm really assessing. So that's why we don't really structureize that. It's very individualized. That's why I definitely feel like if you need physical therapy or if you feel like you do or you need structured exercise, it would be very individualized to you. But the most important important part of the evaluation would probably be the education piece. Now, let's say it's a very complex evaluation, like you have weakness, you're sedentary, we don't really understand exercise, your posture is off. I may not be able to get into the education piece that session. So usually on the follow-up would be when I want to structure one session on just education because it takes a long time. And if someone doesn't understand exercise and why we're doing certain things, I want them to understand why. Because now this is a lifestyle change. You have to have people buy into physical therapy too, you know? So you have to say, hey, This is not just, I'm not going to fix you right away. This is going to be an investment. You have to put in the work because you're going to live with this, right? So the education piece would be probably the most important part of the evaluation or the second session, I would say. Yeah, that's really good to stress. One, that it's going to be very personalized and that, you know, you're really just going to get evaluated on that first session. I think some people might worry that they're going to be thrown into doing exercises that they haven't, they're not capable of doing, you know, at that level and, you know, letting people know that that's not how it, how it starts. It's really a process. And then the other part I really love that you said was the, you got to work, right? You get out of it what you put into it. And if you're doing the exercises that you're being shown eventually, that are right for you, then it does make a huge difference. And I've been to physical therapy a couple of times, and I've been so amazed by how learning how to properly move my body and the stretching and the things that I needed to do completely released me from pain. And I think that's the other thing that people, you know, maybe not consider about when you think about physical therapy, it's like, you actually can do physical therapy to remove the pain that you're having. And so often even, you know, I'm sure this is true in your case, physical therapy happens before they'll even consider surgery. Isn't that correct? 
Yeah, that's correct. And that's a good route to go because you want to exhaust all your options so that you don't have to do surgery. Right, right. And there, you know, there's always those conversations of, you know, with herniated discs and things like that in the back that you need to do physical therapy and maybe you can fix the herniation before any type of surgery is needed. And I think we're all on board for that. So again, getting to know a good physical therapist and asking your clinician to be able to refer you to someone can be life-changing. So do you have any, perhaps a, a success story or an example you might be able to share from your practice about how working with one of your patients really improved their lives? So I always refer back to my first patient ever. I moved to Florida. I started Lee Health. That was about four and a half years ago. And I had my first kyphoplasty. And my patient walked in and she just was in tears and crawling into my evaluation. She was like in so much pain. She said, what did I do? She was just so upset, right? So we put the computer aside and I said, what is happening? And this patient was in her early 60s, and she got diagnosed for the first time with a pretty significant osteoporosis. And she was told to exercise, take your calcium, your vitamin D, be active. So what does she do? She does, she does everything she's told. She goes, enjoys the gym. She's taking her supplements. You know, she's doing everything that the doctor said and all the physicians are telling her. She even goes as far as, let me get a personal trainer because I don't know how to exercise. I don't even know where to start. So everything was going good. Then she went back to the gym. She did a crunch machine and fractured four vertebrae. So why this is important and why I'm bringing up this patient is this is what really inspired me to go along the path I am going on, meaning she had no idea that she couldn't get on a crunch machine. She thought she was doing the right thing. She's taking her supplements. She's exercising. She even got a trainer. She thought by being active that this would prevent her from getting injured and then it caused an injury. So I saw her after surgery. I gave her a lot of education. And what we're trying to do here is kind of move away from just the generalized exercise recommendations. Here at Lee Health, what we do is the primary care physicians, we sometimes teach continuing medical education classes. So I'm asking them to kind of move away from just generalization and send them to physical therapy so we can tailor a safe home exercise program, whether it's at home or the gym. Because within eight sessions, this patient was standing straighter, had less pain, now was in the gym and doing proper exercises. Now she can maintain her bone health. Now she can prevent injury. Right. So definitely the customization of exercises is very important. And we have to be careful with Dr. Google because some of our patients do like Google, how far should I be walking? What should I be doing? And I'll have patients that, okay, they just newly got diagnosed with osteoporosis or osteopenia and they were told, oh, walking's good. Walking's good. Bones like walking, but your joints may not. So if you have a lot of osteoarthritis, you're probably going to have a flare up. And I and now I'm seeing them in physical therapy because they have hip pain, back pain. So we have to be careful with the generalization of exercises. That's amazing. 
it really is so important to think about all of the things that go into that in order to make an improvement in the overall well-being. But it's so gratifying to hear that people can really see those kinds of results and be able to resume activities they want to do and are living that life that they want to live as we age. I think sometimes people get so afraid when they get an osteoporosis diagnosis that they're afraid to move and worried about falling. And so that always becomes something that we end up talking with patients about, like, don't be afraid to actually do the exercises that you need to do. You just need to make sure that you're doing them properly and that you're doing them, particularly if you fractured under the circumstances with someone who's been trained as you have to really work with people with special requirements of of osteoporosis. So let's talk about a little bit of how people can benefit from what you're doing with your patients and what they can do at home. What are some of the activities that you recommend for fall prevention? So, and then that's another one because it's really hard to say exactly what people should be doing. I would definitely say if you feel like you're fearful of falling and you feel like you're going to fall, definitely contact your doctor and get a referral for physical therapy because it's hard to say what the key exercises would be because I treat balance all the time. It's very individualized. I know that the recent clinical practice guidelines for physical therapy treating osteoporosis talks about standing on one leg. I mean, we have to be careful because not all my patients can stand on on one leg, even supported. And those new guidelines recommended one minute per leg three times a day. So like three minutes per leg per day. And some of my patients don't have the proper pelvic stability for that. So I can't really say that that might be beneficial, but it could be if you can do it. But definitely get a physical therapy evaluation because there's other reasons why we're losing balance. Posture plays a role in balance. I had I did a whole presentation for Lee Health about how a kyphotic, which is a hunched over posture, can impact our balance. Also with the training, we have sensory systems that affect balance, meaning your vision, your inner ear, the feeling on the bottom of your feet. So really, I would look at why are you losing your balance? Do you maybe don't feel your feet? Do you have a visual problem? Do you have a vestibular, which is an inner ear issue? So I don't have key exercises because I think that it's very individualized. And what some of my patients can do, other patients can't. So I would definitely recommend a physical therapy evaluation for balance. That is really important because I think those things we think about as normal parts of aging with vision and hearing can then, as you said, be precursors to potentially having a fall. So it's really all interconnected and so important to get evaluated like that. And not even thinking that the balance is related to hearing loss or vision loss but always so important. And we do things to make sure that our loved ones who are aging are getting their hearing tested and getting their eyes tested, but we're not combining that with balance evaluation. So I think that's really, really great advice to share with everyone. So how can patients be more proactive in managing their bone health and in working collaboratively with a physical therapist? So what are the best types of patients that you see that you see the most success from? Are there things that we can do 
as patients, when we come to a physical therapist, that's going to make it be better, a better outcome for us. I would just say be your own advocate as far as saying, hey, you know what? I have this new diagnosis. Is there any way I can get physical therapy? Because I'm just not super sure what I should be doing. And then the doctors will place a referral so that you can come. But I would say in a good way, my most intense patients are my patients with osteopenia and osteoporosis. And intense meaning I've never been really interviewed except for that patient population. And I like that. And some of the reason could be somehow along the way, their care may have been not overlooked, but hey, just take your calcium vitamin D, you'll be fine. Or maybe a personal trainer is like, oh, hey, you could still do this exercise. Don't worry if you have osteopenia or osteoporosis. Or a physical therapist might be like, okay, you know, you're still here for this. You know, let's work on it. So I would say just interview your providers because it's going to be important to know who really specializes in that area because we all know about osteopenia and osteoporosis, but do we really know how to treat it? And as providers, I'm encouraging all providers to be like, do I really know how to treat this? And if not, there's two choices, right? The choice of, hey, refer to another physical therapist or doctor or personal trainer, you know, whoever you're working with you know, let me refer to somebody who knows how to work with this. Or you could really do your research with credible sources like the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation or getting Bone Fit certified, you know, to know how to properly treat that patient case. But I wouldn't, if you really don't know about it, I would really recommend that you do one of those two things. Because along the way, some of my patients have been mismatched and not in a bad way. And I don't think it's that clinician's fault or that physical therapist's fault or that trainer's fault, but I'm interviewed sometimes when patients have gotten hurt. So we all have to know our limitations. So I tell my patients, I am going to teach you so much that you're going to be your best advocate at this point, because you want to make sure you're going to the appropriate, even physical therapists. I'm not biasing one area of the medical field. But I, I say you have to be your own advocate and say what's working and what's not working. That's very, very important. And I love that, too, about it being an opportunity for people newly diagnosed to be able to address their confusion or their worry about movement by doing an evaluation with a physical therapist and to request that from their doctor. So Brittany, we could probably talk forever on this topic, but let's talk about just in our last few moments about how can people modify their fall risk, particularly at home? So at home, uh, what we usually recommend, because I do a lot of presentations for Lee Health on osteopenia and osteoporosis. So I actually have like decrease your falls, a whole slide on it. But what usually we recommend is if you feel like you're going to fall, especially like in the shower or a slippery surface, to use a grab bar or put a rubber mat on the bottom of your bathtub or your shower so that you don't slip. Also, properly fitting shoes. We're always addressing that here. And it's really hard for our patient population because sometimes they have congestive heart failure or sometimes they have lymphedema and their foot size might change. So usually what we recommend is get your swollen shoes and get your normal shoes. Like I I know it's hard financially maybe to have two pairs of shoes, 
But when your feet are a little bigger, wear your bigger shoes. When your feet are not as swollen, wear a smaller shoe because properly fitting shoes is super important. You could slip right out of your shoe. You could trip on different surfaces. Also at night, if you have to go to the bathroom at night, make sure you have your night lights on because that's usually when a lot of our patients fall. They they have to go to the bathroom. They don't want to have an accident. They go rush in the middle of the night, but they can hardly see and then they fall. Or you could put an assistive device by your bed at night to help guide you if you can't do that. And also using an assistive device if you feel like you're going to fall outside. But usually physical therapy will help you with that as well. It's just hard sometimes because a lot of our patients don't want to wear, don't want to use an assistive device. They almost think like it's, oh, am I regressing? Am I getting to that point? And what I like to highlight is The secondary effects of being immobile because you're scared of falling is way worse than being seen with a walker or a cane. Because a lot of my patients aren't doing their social events because they're scared to go to the restaurant because, oh, I'm scared to walk in the parking lot because I feel like I'm going to fall. So they don't go. Right. So A, they're not walking and B, they're not being social. So that impacts your, and then that can make you depressed. That can make you more sedentary. So really, making them invested that this will make you happier, active, and now you can see your friends or your family. Yeah. It's sort of that feeling we all have about aging, right? And no one wants to be seen as being old or feeling our age more than that. I mean, it's kind of hard to skip it. Most people know what roughly what age you are by by looking at you unless you're really really uh you know one of those people who just doesn't show their age but otherwise it's really just vanity that keeps us from doing those things that are so important and i've shared on previous podcasts that i've been wearing hearing aids since my 30s and my mom would take her hearing aids out when she would go out in public and i was like mom people know you're 80 i'm you know you look great But it's not like, you know, those hearing aids are going to be what makes people think, oh, she's a senior citizen. So sometimes it's just the realization that if we were to be able to use the cane or the walker, we get to do all the things we want to do. And then if you are using physical therapy and doing the things you need to do, maybe you'll get back to not being able to use the assisted devices. But the assisted devices are 100% better than falling and fracturing. I think we can all agree on that. So I love that you continue to help people recognize that, Brittany, and we try to do the same. Nothing matters more than our safety and well-being and having to use a cane or a walker, whether limited or full-time, certainly beats the alternative. Well, as I said, Brittany, we could go on and talk about this topic forever. And I really appreciate your time and sharing your insights and your expertise and how physical therapy can play a vital role in maintaining our independence and preventing falls and fractures for all of us. We'll have links to resources and materials associated with this episode at bonetalk.org. And for more information about how to keep your bones strong and healthy for life, please visit us at bonehealthandosteoporosis.org. Did you enjoy this episode? I hope so. And if so, please do two things. Subscribe to Bone Talk so you never miss an episode. And please share this episode with your friends and family. Thank you again, Brittany, for being here. We really, really appreciate it.
Thank you guys. Keep doing what you're doing to keep our patients safe. Thank you. You too. Thank you for joining Bone Talk, the bone health and osteoporosis foundations podcast that shares information, strategies, and inspiration about good bone health that makes active aging possible. To learn more about bone health, to become involved and or help fuel BHOF's mission with financial support, visit bonehealthandosteoporosis.org.